your Van Seas Weekly. The home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Kasky. Here we are already at the second episode of the Your Van Seas Weekly. I'm Greg Ballack with me, my co-host, Charlie Kasky. Not a guest. We've decided to keep him around. How you doing, Charlie? Well, the promotion suits well with me. I'm doing great. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> uh, no you and Ross on this episode, so it'll just be uh, me and Charlie kind of just chatting because now we, uh, we've arrived at the start of uh, the season for the Vancouver Canadians, which is very exciting. We're, we're ready to go for another season. Yeah, first game is ongoing as we're taping this, so we won't be able to give a final score unless we talk for a really long time. <laughs> we'll have um, some updates, hopefully, as the game goes along. Hopefully as the game goes on, yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm, I've, I've said this before, I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a prospect hound, but I also just love to watch baseball, so getting into the Nats and, uh, you know, I'll be up in the press box most of the time, but every now and then I do tend to slide down and imbibe in some of the local flavors on <laughs> that they have on tap, so I can't wait. Yeah, well, the, it was sort of unofficially kicked off with the start of the media day um, that you went down to. I didn't I didn't go down to this time. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it, but this time, uh, yeah. you were down there and you talked to a few of the guys and some of the coaches as well. You like to talk to the coaches a little more than the players, but uh, um, we'll get to some of those interviews in a little bit, but uh, how, did, how did media day go? Did you have a good experience with the, the new guys this year? Yeah, it was good. It was funny, actually, because on sort of Tuesday... I was. I didn't know if the if the roster was going to be announced Tuesday or like last year. They sort of just gave it to us when we showed up, and uh, I think someone posted it on, you know, somewhere it came out. Anyways, on Twitter, here's the Vancouver Canadians roster. Here's the highlights. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so I tweeted back to him and said, well, where did you get that? Didn't come back to me. I'm like, okay. Well, then did something else. Then check my email, and sure enough, I had the same email that <laughs> they had. So yeah, check your email first, jackass. <laughs> um, so yeah, roster came out Tuesday, um, kind of s- sort of what we expected and mm-hmm. what you and I had, you know, a few of the names we discussed last week. We'll yeah. go through it in a bit more detail. Um, very exciting. I, I wrote an article basically leading off with, I don't want to be known as a whiner, but I really wish Rowdy Tellus was here as well. <laughs> um, he's probably my only, you know, the only name that I, uh, I wish was here and is not mm-hmm. uh, everybody else that I'd sort of predicted and was really hoping was going to arrive has arrived. So great news. It's, it's, it's probably the most prospect stacked roster the Canadians have had, mm-hmm. you know, at, at least at the beginning of the season for, since they've been with Toronto, uh, had the player development agreement with Toronto, mm-hmm. whether that means a fourth title, who knows? Prospects don't always re- mean results. I've written about it before and, and, you know, Lansing this year, we're absolutely stacked with prospects to begin the season. And as Jesse will say in, in the interview I've done with him that we'll play later, they've been out of the playoffs for quite some time now. And that's Jesse Goldstrass that you're speaking of. He, Jesse uh, Gold, Goldberg Strassler, yeah. Okay. The, the, uh, the play-by-play man. The so his Twitter name is, uh, is it's, just Goldstrass. It's, it's Jesse Goldstrass or Jesse yeah. GS. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get that clarified. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I sat down. With that, obviously, didn't sit down with him, but I sat down in my house. <laughs> And spoke to him on the phone, um, and we had a good chat about the lug nuts and some of the guys that have come down. Because I mean, Alberta Toronto got a lot of buzz mm-hmm. this off season, uh, and he obviously wasn't very good in Lansing. So 
hopefully he he turns things around a bit in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. What did you, we were just looking at the score now, and he's just given up another run. So that's two through uh, through three innings. Mm-hmm. So is it like like I say in this interview with with Jesse, it's tough to tell just by looking mm-hmm. at the box score. You know. Yeah, so that, that's sort of what we have on tap for you uh, on this episode is the interview with Jesse Goldstress. He's the announcer for the Lansing Nugnut, Lugnuts, so he's got lots of info about that team and anything uh, we've been wondering, I guess. Um, you know, isn't a t- Unfortunately, with minor league baseball, there isn't a ton of coverage out there, so you got to sort of rely on guys like Jesse to, to get the info, and uh, Charlie talks to him. It's another phone interview. Uh, we'll try to get you in, Charlie, for <laughs> some more uh, interviews through the studio here, so it sounds a little bit better, but... Uh, we'll do our best to make it sound uh, as good quality as we can. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, you did some interviews with, with some coaches as well. We'll get to these later in the in the show, so you know, stay posted uh, before we do our thing here, and then we'll, we'll get to the interviews a little later on. But you spoke to uh, a few guys. Who, who did you talk to down at the media day? I spoke to the, the skip, manager John Schneider, pitching coach, new pitching coach, um, first year with not only the Seas but the Blue Jays organization, came over from the Yankees organization, uh, Jeff Ware, who he was actually a first round pick of Toronto's way back in, mm. I'd have to look it up. Um, and then long play, time ago, long time ago, <laughs> it's actually not that old. Um, player wise, I spoke to David Harris, returnee. Um, I chatted to him a couple times last year and always found it to be a, a pretty engaging interview. And Seth Connor, mm. um, because as you well know, Greg, being a hockey goalie yourself, mm-hmm. I am one. Goalies and, and catchers in baseball, we tend to get an, an overarching view. Of the game, so I always, if I'm going to speak to a player, and I know that last week I said I don't particularly like to. Um, if I am going to, it's generally going to be with a catcher because I do f- feel that they have more insight into the game than than the others. It's got to be. Look at all the analysts across baseball and hockey. It's either a goalie, ex goalie, or an ex catcher that's doing the color analyst yeah. job. So. Well, yeah, we 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 view the entire game, yeah. don't we? So yeah, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier, and, yeah. and we do tend to pick up on things. All right, so let's let's. Start with the the roster now and get down to business. Um, you, you mentioned Rowdy Telez is not on the roster, which was a little disappointing. Uh, another guy who's not on the roster, um, get this out of the way early, I guess, um, but will be added, probably, we'll cross our fingers, is Max Pentecost, um, the new catcher that they drafted. Um, hopefully making his way to Vancouver, you think? Well, I think based on what the coaches, the wink-wink, nudge-nudges <laughs> that were going on down there, it's a done deal that as soon as he signs, he'll be in Vancouver, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, obviously. Um, they've got three catchers on the roster now, Seth Connor, Dan Klein, and Michael De La Cruz. Um, I think the plan is, and, and Dan Klein knows it, he was basically told, you're going to head to Vancouver for two, three, four, five days, however long it takes to get this guy signed, and mm-hmm. then you're off. So he'll be on he'll be on his way up to Lansing as soon as, as Max is signed, and I think he's happy with it. He's a pretty good, pretty good guy, and mm-hmm. you'll hear from Jesse as well. He enjoyed having him there last year, so that's so exciting. That uh, they seem to be close. There's no official deal yet, but uh, the season starts now. So I guess you kind of have that gray area period where you, you got to have somebody there. Um, not the guy we we probably want, but there's still the the legal legal mumbo jumbo, I guess, of getting yeah. that contract officially signed so he can come down to Vancouver. Yeah, I'm. I'm to be honest, I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't signed yet, but. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as as we mentioned last week, I think he just finished. He just lost that day right. or the day before. So maybe they give him a bit of time off, and I don't know. But, yeah, and, and they need three catchers. They need a bullpen catcher, and mm-hmm. they need an extra body around. So, you know, that's how sort of the machinations have worked. Um, I don't, I'm not sure now that 
Connors come down from Lansing, who they've got as their third catcher, but I'm sure they've, mm-hmm. they've found a body from somewhere. And I guess we can talk about the guy that did sign, the one big name that was uh, a signing since we did our last podcast, um, was Sean Reed Foley. Um, the guy, the, sort of the, the wild card pick that they didn't expect the Jays to sign, but uh, uh, interesting enough that uh, he would be the first one to go um, for the Blue Jays. Yeah, well, we we discussed this at length last week, didn't we? And yeah. Ewan, who who obviously was very knowledgeable on the draft, was was thrilled with the pick. And yeah. you know, Baseball America had him at nineteen. I think Baseball Prospectus had him at eighteen. So this was a top twenty twenty five talent, if we're yeah. being conservative. Well, the fact that he was he dropped people figured he dropped so much it was because he was going to be a tough sign at eighteen years old, but. He, He's I, off the board already. I think that was it was a bit of that, but then I also listened to a podcast uh, a couple of days ago where uh, you know a draft beatnik um, <laughs> had said that he saw his last outing basically before the draft, which is in some sort of all star game travel game, mm. and his velocity was way down and he didn't have a very good game. So he reckoned not only was it maybe a bit of signability issues, but teams were a bit turned off by this last this last outing. Mm-hmm. Either way, you know the fact that they got him at slot is I was blown away yeah. when, when the when the news came out that you know here's a guy that you're worried about signing, and he signed at slot value at at what did they get him at forty five or something like that. Yeah, that's that's the other thing I forgot to mention. Yeah, the the, the fact that they signed him for slot as well yeah. that's that's just incredible. Well, yeah, and then we we mentioned briefly last week Nick Wells, who they took in the third round, who again had some signability concerns apparently, and he's gone for slot as well. So. <laughs> You have to think that either the Blue Jays have gotten very lucky or they've drafted players, their scouts had higher opinions of these players than others, or they did their homework. Yeah. And I'm hopefully it's the latter. Yeah. Well, and you talk about Reed Foley's last outing and having, you know, troubles getting his velocity up, but obviously before they sign the contract, they're, they're going to do a physical on yep. these guys. They, they, they do their homework in that way as well. So you can't can't look at it and, and say this is a bad deal if, if they've looked at him and they obviously drafted him thinking he's a high-end prospect it's uh it's you know you should be all smiles about this if you're a blue jays fan absolutely mm-hmm. so they've, they've they've blown they've blown this draft out of the water i mean it's tough to we can't tell now but they've gotten three top 20 talents mm-hmm. um with their with their first three picks yeah. and you know although the first two aren't signed we think there's going to be no issue <laughs> obviously i'd Preferred if they just got it done. Well, Hoffman's so, already got the Blue Jays picture in his Twitter profile. That's so. right. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Um, and Pentecost. I mean, I had assumed Pentecost was going to be even in a, a bit under slot. So hmm. I'm curious as to the holdup, but I'm sure it'll come out in the next couple of days. Well, we talked about enough about the draft last last week, so True. we can uh, we can move on to the the team that we will be focusing on this year, the Vancouver Canadians, uh, and and who made the team. Um, obviously, like you said earlier, there there is a game going on right now, so we can sort of update you as, on that as it goes along. We get our first look at this team and what they can do. We don't have video of it, but we have the the stats to look at. Um, let's let's talk about who stands out on the roster for you. Is there any? You know, obviously, you have the big names Barreto and 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 you know Torado, the the pitcher. Um, is there any other names that stand out as that it could be you know somebody to look for if you're just a casual Canadians fan going to the game? Who who's the guy on that roster that's that could stand out and, and be a, a big name you should look at. Well, I don't I don't think we should gloss over Beretta. We will for now mm-hmm. because I think we're going to talk about him plenty throughout the season. Um, David Harris for me, and we've got some audio of him later. He had a he had a pretty good year last year. You know, he's a Div two college guy mm-hmm. drafted later rounds, thirty um, sixth. 
we got Jerry McDaniels over at battersbox.ca, I think it is. Someone might want to Google that and check it. He <laughs> had the um, the extended spring training um, stats just near the end, and, and Harris basically, you know, from what we could gather, and it's tough to tell, and I asked him about it. Um, he led pretty much everything, averaged OPS, home runs um, f- for the Jays mm-hmm. in extended. So I'm kind of expecting big things from him. You know, he was a he's he's sneaky. He's, he's a tallish. You know, his he it says six one on the media guide. That's probably about right. I think it said six two last year, and mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, there's no way he's six <laughs> two. Um, you know. Quite skinny, but he's got explosive power through his hips. He's got a, a great hip turn in his in his swing. Um, generates quite a bit of power for for someone that doesn't look looks quite slight up mm-hmm. at the plate. Um, you know, I think what tonight he's already got a triple yep. to his name. So um, hit he hit a few home runs last year. None at the net, which is not saying yeah. much because not a, a lot of guys hit hit him at the net. If mm-hmm. uh, Canadians guys are hitting home runs, they're generally you know unless we're talking about huge power guys like Art Charles a couple of years ago and hopefully Rowdy Tellers in the next couple of months. You know, even LB Dansler last year hit all of his home runs away from away from Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So but I think we can expect pretty pretty decent things out of him. Um I'm really looking forward to seeing Tim LaCastro. Uh when I spoke to Shane Dawson in the off season, I sort of asked, you know, can you give me a name and, and that was the name he came up with. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to seeing him. Um you know, from last year again, Brendan Kalfas, good player. You know, he's a corner outfield that doesn't have a big arm, but should. Given Clayton McCullough, the manager of the Seas last year, always said, you know, let's let's wait to to gauge these guys based on having a full spring training with mm-hmm. us. You know, not a long college season straight into the Northwest League season. So, I should think we'll see pretty big things out of him. And then obviously, uh, Jonathan Davis. I think he likes to be known as JD. Very fast, had a good season. Little for, guy. Little guy, but very quick. Um, big year for, well, not biggish year for Bluefield, but I heard good things from him in extended. And then Boomer Collins. How can you not love Boomer Collins? Um, <laughs> Some great names exactly. on the team this year. Exactly. You, mentioned, you mentioned LB Dantzler's name too. I guess, are, are they officially calling him Tiny? Is that his new name? Tiny Dantzler? <laughs> well, they should, yeah. Well, and his, his actual name is like Little Bob or someone. So yeah, tiny, Tiny's good enough. I would go with that if yeah. I you know, if I had the choice. But he may not like that name. Well, um, I think I don't know if he actually you know gave the the announcers his walk up music last year because they often played Elton John's Tiny Dancer. <laughs> I don't uh, think he would have chosen that. No, let's just say that. Not like um, was it Josh Reddick who did? Uh, he had a the with the saxophones i forget what it's called oh careless whisper that was his walk-up <laughs> song for uh, i don't know if it still is but he had that going well, for a while didn't mike napoli give the uh, the fox sports news analyst uh, full carte blanche one day and she was pulling out classics like i'm too sexy and stuff like <laughs> that and gotta have a little fun you have yeah. to have uh, if you're taking your walk-up music serious you're in you're in trouble yeah uh you mentioned the the, the dimensions at at nat billy are a little pitcher friendly and um, a lot of people that haven't been to the NAD or, or you know, maybe listening to this from Toronto um, don't really know that. So th- that's another thing that you have to sort of understand when you're looking at the numbers. You have to realize, um, you know, the, the NAD Bailey Park is a very large stadium. You're not going to get the power numbers um, that you'd see at any other minor league ballpark, especially in, in a fan base that's used to the last few years of having the AAA franchise in, in the Pacific Coast League, which is homer friendly. There's There's so many... 
um, home runs that hit, get a hit in that league, and, and you just don't see it here in the, in the Northwest League. Yeah, it's well, I mean, it's it's certain parks. Um, mm-hmm. Everett, I haven't been to Everett Stadium, but apparently it's got a funky sort of indent on the um, the right field side. So LB Dansler being a left-handed hitter, mm-hmm. it it worked out to be a short porch for him, and I think that's where he hit four of his six. Someone will call me on this. Mm-hmm. I know um, <laughs> home runs last year. Um, yeah, the Nat is, it's A, it's freakishly big. B, it's got really, it's what, 20 foot high walls yeah. um, throughout the entire outfield. I think it may dip down where the scoreboard is. It dips mm-hmm. down to like 17 to accommodate the scoreboard. And then it's at sea level as well. Yeah. So it's very hard. Thick. The ball just doesn't carry. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, ha- you need to look at hitters' numbers with a grain of salt, but then vice versa. You need to look at the pitchers' numbers with with the same sort of jaundiced eye because right. you know we've we've seen a lot of very good pitchers come through here and, and think they're absolute superstars and then they <laughs> they go up to Lansing and then even though apparently and I asked Jesse about this you know Cooley Law Stadium out in Michigan there Lansing is is pretty big as well but mm-hmm. the pitchers are are doing a great job getting knocked around yeah. up there so. I think the sea level is is the major thing too because we talk about the huge effect that it has in on Coors Field, you know, being so high above sea level. And they actually alter the balls so that they don't go as far. Is there anything they, they they could do here? I guess that would make the ball travel further. I don't know. Put some cork in it or uh, something. Well, no, I don't think there's anything to do with the ball. I think what? Well, they they alter the balls in the Coors, so they must be. I was chatting you know, actually with um, I knew one of the players from the Tokyo Yakult Swallows when I was living in Japan. And apparently Mizuno got into a lot of trouble over there because they were, they were meaning they were meant the balls were meant to be in their cold room or whatever. Yeah, but they couldn't afford the power overnight, so they would switch the cold off overnight. Oh. so this season the balls has been flying out of the yards yeah. left, right, and center. So the juice baseballs of Japan is because Mizuno <laughs> couldn't afford to to keep the power running or something like that. So wow. no, I don't think the Northwest League is going to um, change the balls for mm-hmm. Vancouver. I think there's been talk of maybe. In an effort to to get more seats into the net, there might be a chance that they bring in the fences. That's something mm-hmm. for next year. They which they desperately need to bring more seats. They in. do, they do. And I, I think there was a. I thought I think they thought it was going to be a pretty easy sort of solution with the parks board, but anytime you deal with government bureaucracy, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, um, the one of the most popular sports franchises in Vancouver. You still got to go through the through the paperwork. So if you're building a shed in your backyard, still the same yeah. thing. <laughs> so hopefully next year we we see a a few more seats and b maybe shorter fences. That meaning coming in that we won't see smaller fences because they sell advertising. That's right, especially at the minor league level. You need yes. every bit you can get. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get to your interviews a little bit here from the media day. Um, who did you want to start out? Is there a certain one that you? Uh, well, let's start out to? with with Seth. Um, just because he, you know, obviously he's been up with Lansing since, you know, the beginning of the season, or at least the beginning of a full season, uh, season, mm-hmm. season, season. <laughs> um, Year. <laughs> so he, um, and as the bullpen catcher slash, you know, he was on the Phantom DL in pretty much the entire, I think he came off for a week or 10 days, which for people that don't know, when a team doesn't have the roster space, they park a perfectly healthy guy. And they, they do it at the MLB level mm-hmm. as well onto the DL, and um, he still dresses, he still does his bullpen catching duties, he still does this, and, well, you'll hear from him what, what he did. It sounded like he was not only a, a player, but a coach as well. 
Well, here's Seth Connor with Charlie Kasky on Media Day. Up in Lansing again, kind of on the Phantom DL for the bulk of it. What was what was sort of your role with Lansing? Just a bit of everything? Yeah, just a bit of everything. Uh, if a guy went down, I have the ability to play a couple different positions, catch first, third, and I only DH up there. But um, So really, just, just to be up there and help those young guys, you know, be a leader to those guys, uh, talk to them when, when maybe they were struggling or scuffling a little bit, and uh, try and be a mentor to them since I've been at that level before. And help them out, hit ground balls, throw batting practice, just get those guys ready for the game pretty yeah. much when I was – and go about my business um, – as a professional and be ready to play in case one of those guys went down and uh you know i had to had to play so just about getting my work in and helping those guys get ready to play every night so and now back down here hopefully you play you didn't get much playing time when you came back down last year what have they sort of explained to you what your role is going to be uh not yet not yet no um i believe it is hopefully to get some at bats and that's that's the biggest thing that's what i desire and i think that's what they want from me ultimately as well and you don't get it, um, you know, you, you need to play. That's how you figure out how to get better. And, and uh, so hopefully come down here, get some consistent at-bats, and, and help this team uh, try and win another championship. Now, sorry to go off topic, but you must have caught all those guys up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, you know, I'm a blogger. I write about prospects quite a bit. And absolutely. Everybody was really excited about the Lansing staff, and absolutely. things haven't quite gone as well. Sort of what, what did you see as the issue personally that – because – I mean, obviously Tom wasn't throwing well. Now he's injured. You know, we got two guys down here that I really thought was gonna, were going to do well up there. Chase is scuffling a bit. Jeremy's inconsistent. Um, was it a theme, or did every every guy have their own sort of issues to work on? Uh, you know what? I think the biggest thing for those guys is is uh, learning how to pitch, and the hitters are getting better every level you go up. They're going to get a little bit better. They're going to clean up their game. The pitches that you get away with, that you leave up, you're not going to get away with as many of those. And uh, I think for those guys, the biggest thing is learning how to attack and be aggressive but throw strikes down in the zone. That was a reoccurring thing. You look at their numbers, and, and most of those guys, minus maybe Gabby, were walking. They were put, it's like putting, you know, trying to get guys out and putting guys first and second every time, every inning, just banking on having two guys on base. I think Hyro's walk per nine was over 12. Yeah. So he put at least a guy and a bit, a guy right. and a quarter per inning. Yeah. And, and the fact that they could have decent numbers uh, on top of, of walking two guys in inning, three guys in inning, is, is, is amazing, you know. So they, they obviously have the stuff to play at that level. They, they've got pure stuff, good stuff, and uh, it's just learning how to be attack, be on the aggressive side of pitching and work down in the zone. Yeah. So. I'd say that was the theme for most of them. And you, I mean, you didn't, like I said, you didn't get a ton of at-bats here last year, not a ton in Lansing. Was there a big gap? Because I've, I've been told, like Jim Sikowski always said, now nah, it's no different whatsoever, but maybe mentally some people make it that uh, much different. I would, say that, uh, I would say the hitters are starting to clean up their approach a little bit more. They're not going to swing as many high pitches. They're not going to chase as many pitches. Right. And especially if you're behind on counts, they're, they're much better, you know, um, but I'm not going to say there's a huge gap at all between here and Lance, and there's, there really isn't. But I'm just, I'm, I will say that the guys start to clean up their game a little bit. It just gets a little cleaner as they go up. Maybe the guys' approaches get a little bit better, um, and the pitchers are still sifting through, uh, being able to throw a secondary pitch for a strike, you know. And, and uh, it's about fastball command. That's what we preach anyway. So uh, there isn't that much of a gap, truly. But um, I definitely I think the guys start to clean up their approach a little bit as far as from a hitting standpoint. So. 
And was it that cold to start the year? Oh, it was very cold. <laughs> it was very cold. Those first two months, it was, uh, let's see, the first April was, it was, a, it was a joy to have the sun out and get a game over 35 degrees. It was, it was very cold. I actually was talking to Shane Dawson, and he's from bloody Alberta, and he was yeah. saying, yeah, my first start, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it, it's, uh, but the summer there is beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's like here, you get good weather for the most part, and it even starts getting hot in July, but it's it was cold the first month and a half. Yeah. So. All right, bud. Thanks very much. Good luck. I well, appreciate it. Hope we get some reps. And that was Seth Connor of the Vancouver Canadians with Charlie at uh, Media Day, chatting a little bit. He did a few interviews that we're going to get to in this segment of the, the show here. Um, is there a certain guy you want to go to next? Or maybe one of the coaches we can mix in here? Sure. Let's um, let's go from a catcher to the pitching coach. And I'd like to um, Jeff Ware, who we discussed his move from the Yankees, so I won't preamble it all that much. But I do want to I do want to say something that I asked a really idiotic question about <laughs> halfway through this. Uh oh. Um, I know pitching wins don't really matter, um, especially at the minor league level when guys are only throwing <laughs> 60 or 80 pitches or whatever. So you have to bear with me. Jeff did mention earlier, and you'll hear it in the interview, that you know we just want to get these guys some wins. So I th- assumed he meant build up their confidence, and then I said pitching wins. And he's, oh, you know, it's more about the process. So... <laughs> Apologies to all your sabermetricians out there. I know pitching wins don't mean anything. Oh, come on. 300 I, wins, man. That's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surefire Hall of Famer. Um, it's so, as important as goaltending wins in hockey. We'll leave it at that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, Jeff, hopefully I get plenty of opportunities to speak with him this year because obviously we've we've talked about mm-hmm. the, the rotation being the exciting point, the strong suit, whatever, you, whatever we want to term it of the Canadians. So, um, he's got a big job on his hands. He's got a couple of guys that have that have come down from Lansing are probably mm-hmm. struggling a bit with their confidence, mechanics, you know, and, and a whole other host of problems. And then he's got Miguel Castro as well, who's probably one of the bigger sort of prospects at this age group. And the and the Jays do have quite a few young sort of arms in the system that we're all dreaming on. But Castro, I think, is is top of the list. So, all right, well, let's let's hear from the pitching coach, Jeff Ware. Yeah. So what was the process coming from the Yankees? What, had you just decided to leave or did the Jays come and poach you? Um, it was, uh, I mean, you know, the Yankees decided to go in a different direction. They made a several coaching changes, changes within their organization. And then uh, and once they decided to go a different way, you know, I, I talked with Dane Johnson, the pitching coordinator here with the Jays, and, uh, you know, I knew Dane from my Blue Jay days. Right. So uh, he said they had a spot and he brought me on. When was that? Uh, that was back the first of the year, around January, December, January. So you started seeing some of these guys then, kind of February when yeah, when yeah. They started as soon as we filtering. had those early camps, you know, uh, probably in February. Yeah. And, uh, so I've been with them, a lot of them since then. So have you seen much of the guys that went to Lansing, Hiro and Alberto? Uh, I know Hiro's been back and extended right, for a little yeah, while yeah. now. He's been but here for about a month or so, maybe yeah. not quite a month. But uh, Toronto, I got a chance to work with in spring training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, bit, yeah. what was the issue? I mean, I know I'm sure you're in contact with Vince as well yeah. when they decided that he wasn't quite ready for that level. and what, what sort of things have they given you to, to work with him organizationally? I think, you know, he was in Lansing and he's had his struggles, you know, um, and he, he's going to come down here. We're going to build his confidence a little bit more. You know, uh, we feel that that he can come down here and compete at a, at a higher level, build a confidence, and hopefully he gets back to Lansing and, and you know, soon. Yeah. But the uh, first thing he's got to do is just really start pounding the strike zone a little bit more. His, uh, you know, his pitch counts are getting a little bit higher up there and, 
uh, you know, he wasn't competing as well. So we think we can he can come here, compete a little bit better, get build up, uh, you know, some innings, four, five, six innings at a time, and uh, and win, learn how to win again and compete. Is that the, sort of the, the goal, is to get these guys back up to Lansing as quickly as possible? Well, yeah, I mean, you know? that, that's obviously the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, you know? but sure. is that sort of what kind of the organization said, let's get them going, let's get a few wins under their belts and see what happens? Yeah, but not necessarily about the wins. Uh, it's just yeah. developing, yeah. you know, and I think if he can come here, him and even Laborde, come here and, uh, and both start competing and, and having success, then I think, you know, they may be one of the first guys to go back. But a lot of things have to happen, yeah. you know. That if they move up, then somebody in Lansing has to move, whether it's up or whether they're coming down. Who knows? But uh, you know, so it's 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 easy to say, oh yeah, he's going to get going good. We'll send him right to Lansing. Well, you know, things There's other a lot things of have to parts, happen. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, obviously Castro's a big time prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, what what should we expect to see out of him? I mean, he's he's quite tall, lanky. Mm-hmm. Um, is it mechanically, is, does he repeat his delivery quite well, or has he got a few issues? You know, just he, he does a nice job repeating his delivery. Um, yeah. You know, but just like most uh, most guys that are 19, 20, 21 years old, they're still learning that to repeat it over and over and yeah. over. You know, game to game, inning to inning, pitch to pitch, um, and knowing how to make in game adjustments and not waiting for the pitching coach to, to be able to, you know come out for a visit. And I think that's what we teach him. We try to teach him how or you know their uh, muscle memory, their release points, some key points in their delivery that they may need that when things start going a little crazy, okay, maybe step off the mound, take a deep breath. And whether your key point is, you know, you're not staying back or you're not finishing, your head's coming offline, any things like that, these guys have to learn those little key points in their own delivery to kind of help them get back on track. But, uh, I mean, as far as Castro's concerned, he's got a great arm. Uh, he can throw three pitches for strikes. And, um, you know, he throws hard. And uh, But, you know, for him, being, being able to, with, with the velocity he has, with the three pitches he can throw for strikes, I think that's why he's going to have such a, a lot of success at a young age. And Zach sort of had an up-and-down year with Bluefield last, last year. What can we expect from him? Is he, is he sort of more of a Zach. low 90s fastball? Wasilewski? Oh, Wasilewski, yeah. Yeah, Wazi. Um there you go. We'll call him Wazzy. Yeah, like exactly. Like Wazzy. We'll call him Wazzy. Yep. <laughs> Done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of first names that be used yeah, on the field here. we'll get used to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, he's in the last two months of extended spring training, he's come a long way. I mean, he started pounding the strike zone. He's throwing all three of his pitches for strikes is what you want to look for. And, uh, you know, now we're, we're moving on into the season. The lights are going to come on, and we really hope he keeps advancing and, and getting better and better. Speaking of some of the younger raw guys, I haven't heard much, but hopefully you can fill me in a bit on um, like Matt and, and Brents. How, how are they progressing? Matt Morrill, Matt Morrill, and Jake Brents. Yeah, uh, I mean Jake was a, a very much a, a high upside pick. He was yeah, he was a, yep. he was in a position player. Yep, he was going to go to college player. and through '97 as a junior, and yeah. all of a sudden I'm a pitcher. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then went to GCL last year, and they both struggled with their commands. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are they looking near the end of or all the way through? Yeah, yeah, looking good. Uh, I mean, both have made some tremendous strides. You know, as far as development's concerned. Um, you know, uh, both guys have great arms. They have, you know, good secondary pitchers to go along with it. Um, you know, and neither one had pitched much. Even Samoro, who was a pitcher in high school, still hadn't logged too many innings. So, uh, you know, it's stress fracture on his foot yep, or something, didn't he? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, both just getting to watch and work with those guys throughout extended spring training was great. Uh, they both finished strong. I mean, shoot, we just left there a couple days ago and just watched them pitch. And uh, they made a lot of strides, uh, throwing strikes. Um, 
Are they both going to Bluefield? Uh, I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Yeah, they, there's still another week to two weeks before those both of those. Uh, oh, okay. The GCL and Bluefield start. Yeah. And um, so I, I don't know if the roster. They give me the roster I have here, and that's that's Off all. You go. Know. Get in the plane. Yeah. Get out of here. Yep. But uh, both of those two guys, great arms, the great ability, yeah. and and they're at the really infant stages of their career. You know, and as far as, and as pitching as well. So they're still in the process of learning delivery, learning what key points they need to become a better pitcher. Right. And one question you may not know: Did you get to see many DJ's games? Is Daniel Norris pitching that well, or the box score sort of <laughs> fibbing to us a bit because it's humid, it's a big park, yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah, I, I didn't know? get to see any games over there. Uh, I get to read the reports and all those kind of things. And, yeah. But uh, I mean, he's pitching well. You know, um, you know, his pitch count gets a little bit high at times, but he's. Uh, you know, is that far, just not putting guys away, like flirting? Well, he's got such great stuff. He gets yeah. like a lot of foul balls and swings and misses. But he, ran, he was running a lot of deep counts. So, yeah. but I tell you what, his last several outings, he's gotten better and better. And now he's going. He's been going five and six innings, uh, getting deeper into the game. What we want to look for. So he's developing down there. Uh, you know, because you know at the, the higher levels, the double, triple, A, big leagues. Uh, you, you, you got to be able to be a little bit more than just scattered command in the zone. You got to be able to command it a little bit more. You're not going to get all those chases, oh oh fast or um, oh oh curveball chases in the dirt. Right. You know, like you might in the lower levels. Uh, so, but he's been getting a ton better there, and and uh, so no, I don't I don't think the box scores are lying. <laughs> he's pitching well. Good, good. Well, I think their magic number is two, so I'm expecting yeah, to see a little yeah. bit of movement, but we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. Yep. We'll I spoke to Jim last week, and oh, I mean, all yeah. these guys that they've signed for Double A, it's mm-hmm. it's quite stacked right now. Or, not stacked, sorry, but quite a few guys. So, like mm-hmm. you said before, there'd have to be movement up the yeah, Buffalo yeah. here, there, and everywhere. So, exactly. who knows what will happen? Anyways, thank you very much, yeah, Jeff. And there's Jeff Ware, pitching coach, Vancouver Canadians, with the interview with Charlie Kasky on Media Day, and that was an interesting one. Yeah, um, I got to work on my interviews. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it's just a podcast. It's no just a podcast, that. exactly. <laughs> it's not Shy Davidi doing a Sportsnet hit with the Zoninator. <laughs> um, so yeah. He, he seems like a good guy. Um, you know, yeah. who knows? Who knows what sort of philosophy? Obviously, there's an organizational philosophy that, mm-hmm. and and like he mentioned at the end there, um, you know, the whole organization gets reports from what the pitchers are doing, no matter what the level. So I, I was asking about Daniel Norris, and you know, can we read, you know, into the box scores? Because obviously his box scores look fantastic, but you know, is there something that's sort of holding him back? And he mentioned the pitch count. Um, and it was just great that, you know, he's obviously been in extended now for a while as well. So was, was able to give us that little bit of an, an update on Matt Smorrow and, and Jacob Brent's two guys that are very raw, um, <laughs> who, but you know, we should see them in Vancouver, maybe not this year, but, but next Somewhere. year I would have thought for sure. Yeah. yeah. Pitching coaches are good to get close to. So hopefully we hear from, uh, from Jeff Ware more well, yeah, and, and if we get a bit of continuity next year with him, then he'll have had these guys, and then you know we can transition to, yeah. into the next group and sort of build a relationship. Maybe we can have him in the studio, too. Yeah, there you go. We, we can guys. both ask him about pitching wins. <laughs> so I'm not the one looking like the idiot. Uh, Daniel Norris, that's funny that you mentioned him, too. I actually tweeted the other day. I said, I can't wait till Daniel Norris comes up to the major leagues and his first major league strikeout is against Derek Norris. <laughs> 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 yeah, who's Norris is better? Maybe... Um, you know who's who's the better Norris, De- uh, Derek, um, Daniel, or uh, Chuck? It'll be the the three biggest ones. I don't know which one to go with. Are they all on Twitter? <laughs> I know I follow some Chuck Norris accounts. Um, <laughs> Maybe that would be his and, nickname. And Norris is quite be... good at the whole saga with the fish he bought and how he froze it. Um, <laughs> it was quite funny actually. 
he's he's a he's a pretty odd pretty odd guy. He was living in his Volkswagen van or whatever outside of spring training since January. <laughs> um, but he's throwing great this yeah. year, and and I guess we'll talk about it later. Um, you know, with some of the pitching moves going on throughout the minor leagues, yeah. we should be seeing him move fairly quickly. I think that should be his nickname though, because Chuck that could be seen as a pitcher. You know, pitcher is a Chuck. Chuck Norris. Uh, I see what I, you did we there. We should get yeah, something going I here. Like yeah, I gotta got something going. Maybe a listener can help us build this thing. But, build the, the Chuck <laughs> Norris, the Daniel to Chuck. All right. Well, we have two more interviews from Media Day that we're going to get to. Obviously, at the end we have Jesse um, that we'll get on for the lug nuts discussion. Um, but let's get to another another player or coach. Which one did you want? You have two two left here to choose from. Uh, let's let's go to David Harris. Now we've we've just done a coach. Mm-hmm. We'll go back and forth. Um, David, a you know returnee, um, was a Div two college draftee, late round, I think thirty six round draft pick last year. Um, I, I think I already mentioned that earlier when I was saying that we should we should look out for him. So I've already talked about him. Let's just get on to the interview. All right. Um, I got my hands on extended stats yeah. yesterday, and it looked like you had a, an excellent extended, yeah. leading the team in, in multiple categories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How'd you feel? I got, I'm guessing, and don't take this the wrong way, I'm guessing you didn't get a, invited to full. No, I didn't. I, I didn't get a chance to, but, you know, for the most part, I'm not, I wasn't worried about that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but yeah. um, the main thing is really just being thankful for having a uniform on your back and not yeah. having the opportunities to play this game. Really, so. And how did it go? I mean, what did you, based on what you did last year, what sort of things did you go there looking to work on? What did they tell you? You know, uh, uh, the main thing they helped were telling me to work on is just maybe just stealing bags and find ways to get on a little bit more. Because last year I only had about three or four walks, and yeah. this year I wanted to work on that a little bit more, of course. But for the most part, just everything really on every part of my game and being more relaxed and slower heartbeat and. Be more confident at the plate, really. But for the most part, I mean, just having fun. Yeah. So, and going back to those stats, I mean, I'm not going to expect you to hit 360 here or something like that. But yeah. having been here last year and then going to extended, mm-hmm. what's the difference? You know, was it pitching them? You would have come up against some college guys, some younger guys. Was it similar to what you'll see here? Or do you I, think? I, I, I would say so. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's more fastballs, of course, but yeah. Uh, I would say it's probably the same. Really, I mean, there wasn't much of a difference. I mean, you had a couple guys didn't have a clue where it's going. But, yeah. I mean, that's kind of everywhere, of course. But I would say probably be the same. Absolutely. Who should we look out for that's not here now that you faced? An intra squad, I guess. Obviously, not going to Clearwater and Jupiter and all yeah, the other. Way. Right, right. Uh, Castro, Castro's pretty good. Yeah, He's not bad. Um, what about Matt? Well, how was he looking down there? Was it, was he still not knowing where it's going? Or uh, no, he was fine. He was okay. Yeah. I thought I thought he was pretty good for the yeah. most part. I mean, he, he struggled at the beginning, but towards the end, he cleaned it up a little bit. But yeah, he was good. Um, of the five infielders now, four of you mainly played second last year. You're listed as a third baseman this year. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where you're going to see the most of your reps to start, at least. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Are you comfortable there? Yeah. I mean, we talked briefly about it last year, and you said you enjoyed second because there was a bit more stuff to do. And right, right. So, is it a big change for you to head back to third? I know you were short in college as well, so. Right. right. Uh, I would say it's. I mean, it's something that you just have to get used to. I mean, they call it the hard corner for a reason. You know, you got those big donkeys that come up. And- Sometimes you get those smoke smoke shots right at you, man. So, uh, but nah, for the most part, it's it's, it's just all a field thing and a comfort, being being comfortable, really. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I know last year I said it like second. I mean, I still do, 
Yeah. You know, but the main thing is just playing the game, really. That's yeah. what I love the most. So, because you get a chance to learn something new every single day, it's just like life. You yeah. Know what I mean? It's awesome. It's a good feeling. Pretty happy to be back in Vancouver then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. You can't, you can't complain about this uh, atmosphere, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and um, you went to Southern Arkansas. JD, I saw, went to Central Arkansas. Uh-huh. Did you guys play against each other in college? Uh, we, we played once when I was at Lamar, and we oh, okay. had a battle between each other. You know, I went like two for four. He went three for four with a couple doubles, and I hit like two doubles. And four. I hit one double and one triple. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty legit. Yeah? yeah I, I remember him. I remember him from college. Yeah? He's a cool dude. Great guy, actually. Yeah. Great guy. Great family and everything. So. And I'm mean, playing next to Franklin. He's quite a well-regarded prospect oh, in the system. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I've heard he's looked very good in extended. Is it quite fun playing with him and oh, against yeah, him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's very talented, man. He's a very yeah. talented ball player. I learn from him usually. I learn yeah. from him every day as well. I mean, I learn a lot from these guys, of course, you know, but him especially, I mean, just by his character and not letting little things get to him, you know, because, I mean, part of the game is failing. Yeah. So, I mean, no, but he's, he's a great guy too. He's yeah. Great dude. Great dude. How's your Spanish? Uh, it's getting a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit better, I would say. Poquito, you know, but not, not much. Yeah, I, I, I'm working on it, but yeah. you know, since we have Hispanic guys in the organization, yeah. I work on it a little bit. But uh, I would say it's, it's okay, a small O. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get better myself. Great, thanks very much, Dave. Good Thank to see you again. Good luck, buddy. David Harris of the Vancouver Canadians with Charlie on Media Day. And we have one interview left to get to from that, um, so we should get to that pretty quickly. Might as well get these. Not out of the way, you know. You put a lot of work into these, obviously, Charlie. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of work <laughs> down um, on media well, day. Well, one thing from that Harris, I know mm-hmm. I've, I sort of doubled up on on David Harris there a bit, but he, like he, like you were saying there, I sort of mentioned that JD Davis went to a, a smaller Arkansas school as well, and as he mentioned, they both had a bit of a battle that day that they played with with a pair of extra base hits each. And uh, looking at the box score now, Harris has got a triple and. J.D. Davis has got a triple as well, so <laughs> it seems the battle still wages. The speedsters. Yeah, so let's hope. And as Harris mentions in the interview, um, you know, they really worked on him, this this extended, to to get him on base. Because he, he's got good speed, but as he said, he only walked four times last year, so he wasn't able to use that speed effectively. He wasn't able to steal mm-hmm. a lot of bases. So hopefully, you know, that's something we'll, we'll keep an eye on um, this season. He, the guy can hit. Um, mm-hmm. it's whether he can be, you know, when he's not hitting, can he still be effective? Yeah. Well, I think with, with a guy like Davis, he really has to use his speed because at five, eight, you know, you have, that's one of the tools that you really need to be, uh, able to utilize if you're, if you're well, five, eight. Yeah. And he, apparently he's very fast from, from all the reports I was getting out of extended. So yeah, expect him to, I'm not going to say Ian Parmley, Mark II, <laughs> but, you know, to be able to steal bases at that sort of success rate, I would have thought. Maybe one day J.D. Davis can make it to the, the Blue Jays and who break uh, Rajay Davis's stolen base record for most Listen to you with bases. all the uh, segues into different names. I love it. <laughs> hey, that's why I'm, I'm the That's why you're the, the, the producer, the I guess. The host, producer, yeah. <laughs> you're the brains. I'm, <laughs> I'm the uh, everything else, I guess. I'd rather be the brains. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, we can still talk about it. All right. One I'm just more, happy to be uh, co-host now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're reverted back to guest, I think. That's right. <laughs> We'll get to the one more interview. It's with uh, John Schneider. Yeah. Um, 
Unless we, did we do that one right now? That we got, no, that's the no, last one. Let's do that one last. Okay. Um, it, it's in a bit of a scrum, so you're going to hear a couple of other voices pop up, one of which is Hall of Fame, uh, I guess, media guy, uh, Steve Ewan from the province and mm-hmm. theprovince.com. A little uh, shout out. Yeah, a little shout out to Steve. So he pops in with a couple of questions, but basically we're, we're in a scrum and I didn't tape the first five minutes of it because it was a bunch of other people asking questions. <laughs> Um, before I got to ask my super What's your favorite questions. food? Yeah. <laughs> Are you just happy to be back in Vancouver? It ended really badly last time. <laughs> yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, so yeah, so we uh, we get the chance to talk about, I mean, we, we didn't talk about this last week because we didn't know the roster, but the roster is a bit imbalanced right now as far as the infield is concerned. They've got five guys listed, four of whom are second basemen, so that doesn't really <clears> work. Um, but you'll hear them. Um, there's been a couple of other guys that have been working out at first, and you know David Harris apparently took reps in the outfield, and and really surprisingly, actually, um, after what Anthopoulos said at the at the hot stove luncheon in January that they were going to keep like you know guys like Dawa Lugo up in Lansing mm-hmm. and Franklin Barreto here at short until they prove they absolutely cannot play it, because yeah. all the scouts say you know they're going to have to move off short sooner mm-hmm. or later. The media guide. Um, Mentions that they're going to maybe try Bredo in center and, and at third just to take advantage of his, his plus-plus athleticism. Mm-hmm. So who knows, man. And I do remember that scrum because I was in that scrum for you, once. You I was actually. Scrum, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just I, sometimes the Jays' disinformation I don't get. But, mm-hmm. you know, just give me a straight freaking answer. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, yeah so. It's not just the Jays, I'll tell you now. No, it's a lot right. of sporting it's, teams. It's just that I focus so much on one team that. <laughs> it's the, these are the ones I'm always thinking about. <laughs> but yeah, John Snyder uh, with me and a few blurbs from the legend, Steve Ewan. To have a team that speaks as much Spanish as it does, or, or, is that a challenge for you? Not really. I mean, I've, I've been around these yes. guys, so they understand me. I'll, I'll do my best to try to you know throw some Spanish out there. I've gotten better a little bit. So, uh, But they it, it goes both ways. They, they work hard in English. I work hard in Spanish, so... What's it like for you to be back in this park? What's your? Oh man, it's it's been great. Just yeah. driving in this morning, it's uh, very fond memories here yeah. at the field, and uh, just really excited to be back this year. Do you feel like you have something left here or something to? Absolutely, yeah, you know, I... yeah, for sure. You know, it was uh, you know, it didn't finish the way you wanted. No, not I mean, on the field for the team, yeah, it yes. did. But for me personally, it didn't. But um, when I think of Vancouver, I think of you know at the ballpark. I think I think of good things and, and the crowd and the atmosphere. So. Unfinished business, you could say a yeah. little bit. You know, definitely want to you know see it through. Hopefully, with the same result this year. When they phone you and say you're going somewhere, and they said Vancouver. Ecstatic. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't think of a better place. So, um, I think it's our best affiliate up and down through AAA, and uh, from the way that the team is run, from the atmosphere to the city itself. So, I was I was very excited to be back. Going for four. Yeah. Daunting. <laughs> no, no. There's no pressure in that. Yeah. There's. We're going to go out and do what we do as an organization and as a team. Um, I think we have a good mix of guys. I don't think I think if you put too much pressure on yourself, you lose sight of what you're trying to accomplish, yeah. which is get better as a team and, and players. So, no pressure. We've talked about that with the guys. So you've been doing this for a while, but you're still a young guy. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> timeline-wise, are you um, are you where you want to be? Yeah, especially this year for sure. Okay. Uh, but just like a player, you want to move up. You you know you want to keep doing your thing as a as a coach or a manager. So, uh, but right now I'm just going to enjoy this. You know every day here and enjoy the season. Hyro came here via extended, so he's had a bit of chance to work on his mechanical yeah. issues. Yeah. Alberto 
kind of going to have to go on the fly. What's right. Jeff? I mean, obviously he speaks with Vince a bit. Right. What's, what are sort of the issues that he was having? Both very high walk rates. In with, Manson, uh, so. with which one? With Toronto? With Toronto, yeah. It was more so kind of picking at the strike zone, yeah. um, trying to do almost a little bit too much. You know, like I said, he's got a great arm, so he wanted to strike everybody out almost. Um, and when he gets into that mode, he'll get out of his delivery a little bit. So uh, Jeff's spoken with him. I've spoken with him, just kind of really focusing on the basics. You know, stay in your delivery. Let your stuff play because it's going to play at this level uh, easily. So um, just kind of getting back to what he does good, which is throwing strikes and letting his stuff do, do what it does. And the same with Hiro. I remember he was flying open a bit. Yeah, that's he what was. I was told. And that's what he was doing in Lansing a little yeah. bit. And, you know, it was tough for him, to, I think, with the cold weather up there to start uh, for Hiro. And, uh, but his last five outings down in Florida were outstanding. I've heard and, he's uh, been really good. He's been really year. good. He's cleaned up his mechanics. He's gotten back to where he was last year, I think. And he was really rolling in Bluefield when he came up here. So uh, looking for very solid uh, outings out of him, I think, all year. And just on the infield quickly, we've got five. Mm-hmm. No first baseman as of yet. I'm right. guessing uh, Ryan McBroom should be here fairly shortly. I think so, yeah. That's, what, that's the rumor that's been going around. Um, um, just a quick ha- – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We have a couple guys. Seth Connor can play over there. Oh, that's and, right, yeah. uh, and Boomer Collins did that and extended. We kind of worked him out. Um both at first base. He's an outfielder by trade, yeah. but we had him playing some first base in case we need him in a pinch. So there's some guys that can fill in, I think, until we get a, a really, you know, a guy that's been playing there for a while. How close was Rowdy to coming up here? I think pretty close. I think, yeah. you know, personally he was a little bit disappointed, but, um, you know, young player, really exciting player, and I think uh, he'll be fine in Bluefield, and I think we'll he'll make his way up here in, in due time. Um, uh, hopefully him too. You know, he got into camp late with the football thing going on. Um he only, I think, is with the organization for um, about a month. I think July, middle of July he goes back to school. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we've talked about it from a uh, player development standpoint. We'd love to get him up here and, uh, you know, see the atmosphere, see the different level of competition. So hopefully he'll be up here before long, too. Is David going to start at third? Because you've got four basically second base right now, aside from Franklin. Yeah, I mean, David can play over there, and uh, Vasky can play over there, too, yeah. as, long, as well as uh, Maldonado. Uh, Maldonado and Vasquez will kind of be bouncing around the infield. Right. Uh, but, you know, David's, uh, he also played some outfield and extended too. David oh, Harrison, yeah, he's comfortable out there. He likes it out there. So uh, we have a few options at third base. But, you know, David's a guy that's uh, been here and, and kind of, you know, done that a little bit and is really swinging the bat well. So What about Tim? Is he more of a utility guy to start yeah, as utility, well? Yeah, Timmy's more second base um, yeah. and a little bit of outfield as well. But he'll be, uh, I don't think you'll see Tim at third unless we need him. Yeah. Uh, but he's more of a second baseman. Are you underselling the pitching a little bit? I don't like to talk about it too much. Um, when I when I saw that was the group that was coming, yeah. I, I was excited uh, yeah. and talked about it with Jeff at uh, how it could turn out. Um, you never like to say that, man, that's really going to be our strength, but um, you, you hope to have a well-rounded team. But the pitching is going to be um, is going to be pretty good. Hopefully, the biggest thing if they can get through the fifth inning into the sixth yeah. inning. And then we can kind of, you know, define some roles for the guys in the bullpen. Um, they should really keep us in games, I think. Because we've seen some guys come through here. We've seen yeah. pitching here. Oh, yeah. And you've and seen, you've this, seen the, this is comparable, probably. For sure. I yeah. mean, back three years ago when we had, you know, Nicolino and Sanchez and Syndergaard, those guys here, um, it is. It is. It's comparable. Yeah. Um, and Because uh, there's a lot of money tied up in some of There is. Yeah, <laughs> there definitely is. But well, we've never seen him from the start either. No. Right, so exactly. This is very like, exciting, A couple years yeah. ago we just had Nicolino from Justin, the start. Yeah, yeah but... These guys, man, if they uh, if they just keep doing what they're doing and and focus on you know one pitch at a time, one inning at a time, it should be it should be fun to watch. And I think the way they're lined up in the rotation, yeah. 
Um, hopefully it won't, you know, be, it kind of enables you to not get into a skid losing streak-wise. Yeah. Um, you got guys that can go out and take the ball and really, you know, put a halt to something if something's going wrong. So. And what's the pitch count to start for the starters? Some guys will be uh, 60. Some guys it will be 80. It depends on how much they've thrown. It depends right. on uh, how much they threw last year. But over the course of their first handful of starts, they'll all be stretched out to about 80, 85 pitches for starters. And how's the catching situation going to work until Max shows up? Oh. <laughs> Did you know he's coming? Oh, okay. Um, I'm guessing 95. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking he'll be here. Hopefully he signs quick. Um, but nothing against the guys that are here. Seth can catch. Uh, Dan Klein's back. Uh, he's kind of a reliable guy who's, who knows the ropes. And Michael De La Cruz um, has made... Tremendous improvements over the past year. He was very good last year, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And he, he's been even better the last month and yeah. extended. So it's nice because he, you know, speaks the language with some of the guys that are starting, literally. Yes. And, uh, you know, knows how to push their buttons and when to and when not to. So um, I have a pretty good idea of how I'm going to break up catching and, and yeah. who's going to catch who and who's swinging the bat also plays into it too. So, But we got three capable guys for sure. Thanks, Skip. No problem. That was the last interview from Media Day. It was John Schneider, the manager of the Vancouver Canadians, with Charlie and a few others. Um, that was pretty good. I'm glad we got it was good audio to get for the start of the year, just to kick things off, uh, and set the tone pretty well. Yeah, um, definitely. And I, I did actually manage to corner John later on. I just didn't tape it um, to talk about a few other issues, which you know we might not have time for now. But we'll, once you know, it gets going, and, and Barreto's. We'll talk about his defense again later. And, and John mm-hmm. gave me a, a pretty good rundown of it. And also, uh, Jacob Anderson, the the supplemental pick from a while ago, who's been injured forever, mm-hmm. and is now seemingly back healthy and uh, looks to be starting the season in Bluefield. But John said he really hopes to get mm-hmm. him up in Vancouver soonish. So that would be would be good as well. We'll save some tidbits because there might be some weeks through the year where there's not a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so it down, yeah. <laughs> let's not blow our load right here yeah. all the way at the start of the year. Sounds so. good. <laughs> uh, so we're going to transition a little bit here. We have the interview, Jesse Gold, Goldberg Strass, I think he said his name. Strassler, yeah. Did we figure out what his... Let's just call him Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. Jesse from the Lansing. Just like, it, just like in that Jeff Ware interview where I tried to say Zachary Wasilewski and he had no idea what he was talking, what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, Wazzy. Yeah. Okay. Let's just call him Wazzy. Wazzy. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're going to talk about the lug nuts for a little bit, but let's talk about Aaron Sanchez because there was some movement with the, between, you know, between the Blue Jays organizations this past week. Um, some spots opening up, some rotation spots. Um, Sanchez moved up from New Hampshire. He's now with Buffalo. Um, Deck McGuire was last week. He came up and was pitching pretty well with Buffalo. Um, Sanchez now, we, we see the true test, I guess. You know, you get a lot of premium talent in AA, but AAA, a lot of pitchers do come up from AA and start to struggle. And Sanchez wasn't exactly blowing guys away in uh, in AA, so we'll see how he does. Well, with, uh, I think he was blowing guys away in that... To an extent. Nobody was making, you know, any fantastic contact off him. He was just walking right. a ton of guys. You know, he wasn't able to command his fastball. So... I think you're right. You know, he's it's going to be a test for him in AAA because, you know, AA, uh, I don't have the average age in front of me, mm-hmm. but hitters are, are starting to get much more selective, much more sort of have a much better plan. But then you go yeah. to AAA and you get guys that have played in the major leagues. I mean, Buffalo has them them, themselves. Yeah. Um, so you get guys that have been there. They're, you know, they're not major league players. They're replacement level players to use the uh, a newer term or quad A, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But they're still good enough where they will they'll spit on his stuff if he's missing the zone and and if he leaves it up they'll hit it so 
I can't wait. And you know, you look at Buffalo's rotation now. You got you got Drayback who threw okay tonight. Um, not saying that I'm expecting much out of him in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Nolan threw again last night. Not great, but he's coming back from that groin injury. Yeah. Um, Liam Hendricks, who we saw up in Toronto, you know, we, we've got a rough idea of what he can do. But still, we're talking about guys that are, are in their 20s rather than, you know, last year when the Blue Jays had injury problems. What was Ramon Ortiz, like 67 or something like that, you know? And then he <laughs> hurt quite. his elbow, and we were all like, oh, my goodness, he hurt his elbow. He's 67 <laughs> pitching in the major leagues. Of course he's going to hurt something. Um, so then, yeah, you get past Hendricks, and you got Deck McGuire and Aaron Sanchez. So, yeah. you know, a couple of – Deck McGuire was, what, the 11th overall pick in 2011. Sanchez, a supplemental first-rounder in 12. Mm-hmm. You know, you got guys that were thinking, yeah, well, let's hope they can come up and make a difference. No, let's hope they can come up and – you know, we hit 10 home runs to compensate for their sh- general lack of pitchability or shittiness, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but then the big question for me is what what do they do with, with Ricky Mo- Romero when yeah. he comes back off the DL? Like, Was that a legit DL stint, you think, or is it another <sighs> one of those phantom DL? Yeah, good question. I don't know. Uh, obviously, but, uh, mentally, he, he was back in California recently for yeah. his sister's graduation or something like that. He He took some time off. Hasn't pitched for a while, and when he pitched, he's been terrible. So I, I was asked uh, last night, I was on the team, and, and, and Matt Baker asked me, give me your you know spread or whatever chances of him pitching in the major leagues anytime soon, and I said zero. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about it, Greg. No, it's not looking promising. I, no. I, he's not giving the team any reason to, to knock on the door and, and come up. So there's there's plenty of other yeah, options exactly. out there. If you've there. got these five other arms that could possibly come up and help, and all you're doing with Romero right now is burying his salary. Who cares if you're burying it in Buffalo or New Hampshire? Yeah. You know, if if com- if a couple of those guys come up from Dunedin to fill the spots in New Hampshire, bury him in Dunedin. Yeah. You know, he's he's going to be the highest paid player in, in the Florida <laughs> State League, that's for sure. But I could I could see them doing it. You know, they they can't trade him. They can't. You know, if they release him, all they're doing is eating the salary. Yeah. So. I don't know. He can be serviceable somewhere. Where is the question? Well, that's the thing. He's not really a bullpen piece because he's got reverse splits. You know, left-handers hit hit better than right-handers off him. So, interesting. Yeah, well, Sanchez, if anything, gives people a reason to go down to Buffalo and see a game because he's uh, a guy you're going to want to go down and see. Yeah, Um, you know what? I always forget that it's a 45-minute drive from, not Toronto, I guess, from people in southern Ontario. So, I'm sure they will see an uptick in their their attendance. Well, the... the stadium is literally right across the border. Five minutes over the border, and you're at the you're at Coca Cola Stadium or whatever it's called. Okay, in, uh, in so Buffalo. I think you start Saturday, so I'm guessing that's a home game. So that'll be tickets now. Yeah, <laughs> for all you guys out there in Ontario, the Jays are away, so head on down. Yeah, that's a good time to go down and see a Buffalo Bisons game. That's for sure with Sanchez. And you get to see. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think who's the second baseman. I always forget names. Goals. And they're no the Japanese. Kawasaki. Kawasaki. What a Japanese. Uh, I can't believe I forgot yeah. his name. Jeez, forget Louis. Kawasaki. He's apparently he's the weirdest Blue Jay that's ever played, <laughs> according to some people. There you go. <clears throat> Sanchez and Kawasaki. What a tandem. There you go. Uh, there was actually some other shuffling I noticed as well. Um, Matt Tuiusis Sopo. I think is how you say his name. Was he? I'm not even gonna try. He was let go. Uh, I don't know if it was a trade or just no. Released. Yes, no. He was traded. That's okay. right to the White Sox for cash okay. considerations. Or and so, so was they're clearing space. Whatever yeah. the reason, it's uh, Canadian. Well, no, they they traded for another outfielder. Um, shoot, I can't remember his name. Something Odar Onar. 
um, big time Blue Jays analyst right here. Uh, <laughs> we do our research here. Yeah. So yeah, this is off topic. We weren't planning. We weren't planning on hitting this. So yeah, Matt's gone. Uh, Sean Hill, Canadian pitcher that sort of had split time between New Hampshire and yeah. Buffalo. He's traded as well to the to the White Sox for cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Wilson moved from Buffalo down to New Hampshire. Obviously, Kevin Pillar went down. Um, uh, Darren Mess, another name that I'll butcher this time. Mastroianni. Mastroianni. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. Go. <laughs> He's come up to, a do, fun one to, say, like to do exactly the same as what Ken Pilar would have done. Right. So I'm, I, I didn't really get that one. Maybe they just want Pilar to get some, some more at-bats. Yeah. Um, well, the reason we're seeing some shuffling now is because in single-A, um, Dunedin, they've reached their halfway point, which, if you don't know, is is a big deal in single-A because um, the way they do the playoff system, you clinch by winning a half season. And Dunedin did that in single-A. They clinched the a playoff spot already. Yep. Um, so they can essentially now shuffle guys around and sort of toy around with this second half uh, and, and move guys up or down depending on where they think they sh- where they should go. Um, so we, we could be seeing guys like Daniel Norris who were pitching for Dunedin start moving around. Um, do you, where do you see it? Yeah, kind of I, playing out. I, well, I, I wrote an article at yourvencies.com saying basically I would eat my hat if Daniel Norris isn't promoted within the next couple of days. Um, I know we spoke to Sykowski last week, and as Jeff Ware just said this week, you know, there are still a few issues that, that they have with him. They don't feel he uses the pitches they give him as effectively as he could, given his stuff. But mm. I think, you know, how dominant he's been. But as I mentioned in the article, you know, Matt Boyd was just as dominant, if not more, over his first five games before he got promoted to, to New Hampshire, and he got a, he got found out a bit, so... Not found out. I mean, Jim just said, look, he's, he wasn't able to get on top of his fastball like he should have been, and, and the hitters up here are better. It's, but Norris's numbers are impressive, though. They, oh, just the, unbelievable numbers. They're fantastic. I've had a bit of an obsession with Daniel Norris because <laughs> my first post is at my website, Your Van Seas, is where is Daniel Norris because I thought he was coming to Vancouver, and that was going to be the one and only prospect that season, and yeah. obviously he didn't. Um, did later on the season, couldn't throw strikes to save his life, and then got knocked around the first half of the year last year in Lansing, and then all of a sudden something clicked. And yeah, It's funny with prospects how it can work like that. Yeah, and, and Jesse, will, Jesse harps on the same point. You never know, man. You yeah. never know when it's going to click. Uh, yeah. So guys like DJ Davis, we shouldn't give up on him just yet. Yeah. Well, let's segue a little bit into that interview now. We'll get to the interview with Jesse. Uh, of the Lansing Lugnuts. He's the play-by-play announcer for them. Um, what kind of stuff do you talk about? Do you talk about the shuffling of the rosters and who we might might see move up to Lansing? We or? we uh, we do get into that a bit. Not up to Lansing, um, but from Lansing to Dunedin okay. if, you know, Daniel Norris and, say, Matt Boyd or, or Taylor Cole uh, head on to New Hampshire. Because with the trade of Sean Hill and the promo of Sanchez, New Hampshire effectively has two open rotation spots. Mm-hmm. Um you know, who from Lansing? Because if you look at their pitching stats, nobody's pitching all that well. Could be Ricky going down. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's why, yeah, just said, you know, could be Romero and Dunedin. It would be funny. Um, and so he gave me a name. Um, I, I was a bit surprised by it because he, he pitched in Vancouver. I won't give it away just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, pitched in Vancouver last year, and I wasn't overly impressed with him. But he he's done okay in Lansing. So, you know, if... I think it's more of this is the best of a, of a not great lot thus okay. far. Um, so we talk about that. Oh, we talk, 
we talk about loads of stuff. You know, he's been with the Lug since what did I say? They they they've been Toronto's affiliate since '09, and I think he's been there from 2011. So it's been all Blue Jays prospects coming through. So we talk a bit about some of the guys he's seen, you know, and and a lot about you know C's XC's that are with them now, mm-hmm. you know, from last year and and the year before. So all right, well, let's get to it now. Great. I'm joined this week on the podcast with the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, the uh, Midwest League affiliate, the league above the Vancouver Canadiens, Jesse Goldberg Strassler. Sorry about that. Thanks for joining us, Jesse. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, I I should also mention quickly, you're also the, I guess, the MC or the moderator of the wildly popular Around the Nest podcast that is weekly. You're very kind. Well, it's um, I really enjoy listening to it, and it, it definitely gives us a bit of a flavor for all the affiliates. I've said this numerous times that it's it's difficult at times just being a box score fan because you don't know exactly what's going on. You don't know a guy could have an O for four day and hit the ball hard every time, or you know strike out or make weak contact. And same with the pitchers. You know, I, I spoke to New Hampshire's pitching coach Jim Sykowski last week, and he said uh, three starts ago for Sanchez, despite you know, giving up a bunch of runs, they weren't touching them. So it, it's really hard to figure things out just by looking at the box score. I'll give you a further example since we don't have defensive metrics with us yet. DJ Davis is getting from gap to gap, left center to right center, and he's gliding down everything right now. And meanwhile, Dawal Lugo, if you look at yesterday's box score, you'll see that he committed an error. That's his first error since May 23rd. It's his third error after April. He's fielding everything. Well, let's let's actually start with those two because I was hoping to to stick with XCs for the most part, um, and both of those guys are. Although DJ Davis was quite quick with his time here, um, cameo. yeah, a, a, a brief cameo, and, and that was before I was accredited, so I didn't see him very much. But you know, my thoughts at the time were this guy is overmatched here, and he was quite young for the level, so that's that's understandable. But he is a first round draft pick. He was highly touted if albeit quite raw. I mean, what are you seeing this year? I mean, the, the strikeout numbers are, are too high. The, you know, you talk about his outfield defense. He's obviously very fast, but his stolen base percentage is brutal. Um, he's obviously got a lot to work on. What, what have you noticed watching him game in, game out? Thank you. 
swelling things up. Because you noted his rawness, he's still so inexperienced, only 19 still, that it is coming. It is coming along with him at the plate, and he's putting in time to work upon it, and it's fun to see him grow in that area. On the base paths is another matter. He's been working with Tim Raines in this, just trying to get a good jump, trying to read the pitcher, because right now his jump is not as good as it can be. And that's something, once again, comes with experience. He's got some steel. He's got some times where he should have received the steal. He's been called out where he was probably hit. He's got other times where he's been picked off. The more games he plays, the better he'll get. Yeah, I mean, you really hope so. This is his, what, third year of pro ball, so he's, uh, it's just, it's tough, and we'll touch on sort of the manic intensity of Blue Jays fans and their and their prospecting status in a bit, but, you know, considering he was taken before Michael Walker, who's kind of successful right now in the major leagues, sometimes it can be a bit bit of a struggle to, to stay patient with DJ. I can understand that, but uh, DJ Davis was drafted at eight. Speaking of another, we mentioned him earlier, Dawa Lugo, who is, um, if DJ Davis was July 94, he's December 94, so even younger. Um, after getting off to, I mean, we had him in Vancouver last year for a good chunk due to the in- injury to Dickie, Dickie Joe Thon. Um, you know, a slow start in Lansing this year, I guess, can be partly attributable to the cold, uh, probably his first experience playing in it. He's been he's been on fire lately. A um, couple things I wanted to raise with you. You tweeted, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, you said, you know, Dawa Lugo is quietly becoming a, a pretty good shortstop. We'd had some conversations maybe a month or two ago where you may not have said that. Um, what's changed? I mean, last year in Vancouver, uh, he always, he's got a, he's got a cannon of an arm and he, he seemed to always, he would make the tough plays. Sometimes he would, you know, the easy plays is what got him into trouble a bit, and it was, it was his footwork that got him into a bit of a muddle. How's he been working working through those issues? He's been working great, and this is the fun part of judging a guy in April, judging a guy in May, and every single month. Dawel Lugo has worked to improve, and he's got some fantastic hands. So off he goes to his left to his right, and the ball sticks right in the glove, and then the throw is perfectly placed. He gives the ball right to the first baseman, whether Matt Dean or L.B. Dampler. So he's really worked on his defense, and it gets to the point now where when the ball gets grounded to a shortstop, it's an automatic out. The one that still gives him trouble is the hops, where he gets caught in between. gets hit hard, and he's not sure, should he come in? Should he try to skip the short hop? Should he wait back on it? Every now and then, that can catch him a little bit by surprise. But in general, from where he was at the start, 
now. I'm looking at any bouncer hit toward him, and I fully expect him to make the play without issue. And that's a testament to how hard he's worked. Well, that's great news. I mean, you had Emilio Guerrero played short for the Lugs last year. What was he like as a fielder? I haven't I haven't heard much of him. I mean, we've obviously got these Guerrero and Dunedin, Lugo in in Lansing, and now Barreto's arrived in Vancouver, and I guess I'm pretty sure Richard Urena is going to be in Bluefield. So it's it's going to get a bit busy once these guys all start progressing, and there's always talk that you know certain ones of those guys are going to have to move off shortstop and 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 play other positions and, and see how it all, all filters out. What what did you think of Guerrero at the position? Guerrero was a blast last year because if you ask me at the start of the year, especially in the first couple of months, it was a disaster at short. <laughs> he was having a devil of a time with the glove, trying to feel the bounce with his throws. And then all that work that he put in paid off. He had 12 errors in June. He had five errors in July. He had only six in August. Every single thing that he was working on, and you could see him getting frustrated out there, suddenly the light bulb clicked on, and from being the player that you were thinking, don't hit it to Emilio, don't. <laughs> Not only was certain, but he's so long and limber, he could just run across the field. And some guys, what, they scamper, or they cover ground with great movement. Guerrero is long. And so he would take two or three enormous gallops, and he'd be there right up the middle of the infield behind second base, on the first base side of second base. The arm would whip around, and suddenly there was another out recorded. He joined us on enormous leap right from rookie level. And if he was over his head at the start of the year, his, uh, the degree of his growth, his learning curve was outstanding. And by the end of the season, I would have declared him our top position player in terms of how far he had come. And we had Dalton Pompey and Dwight Smith Jr. Dwight Smith was perfectly above average and continuing along at a steady growth. Pompey was coming along at spurts and fits. You could see the flashes. And Guerrero, that, that huge crown of improvement that he came about, and he's still so raw. My gosh, he's raw. And he loves playing third base. So if you want to move him to third he would love it. But there's something to him that he's fun to watch. He has all arms and legs, <laughs> and he's an entirely different player than, say, a guy like Dawel Dugo or a guy like Ryan Goins or John Birdie. So maybe he gets shifted to third, but it was just a blast to watch him figure out that shortstop spot. That's, that's great to hear. I mean, and, and a nice segue, actually, to um, your current third baseman, uh, Mitch Nay, probably put himself in the conversation after last year of the top position prospect in the in the Blue Jays system. Um, got off to a pretty good start, then, you know, kind of slumped a little bit, it seemed. And in the last 10 games, he seemed to be um, picking things back up. I have him slashing, you know, 417, 500, 583 over the last 10 games. And then we haven't seen him for the last couple of games. So can you give us any news there? Yeah, it was a collision. It was a ground ball hit to third base with a runner at second for the other team. And the runner from second broke blindly for third. As Mitch was fielding the grounder, here comes the guy crashing into him. So the collision, and so he just needs to rest his ribs right now. He'll be back very shortly. Um, but Mitch Ney is a very good example of a guy who came out swinging from the blocks out of spring training. And the Midwest League will find you out. This is the sort of league where all the managers communicate. They get to know your scouting report. And in May, May started to scuffle, and he worked 
Hollywood. Carlos Delgado came to town. Mike Barnett came to town. He's been working big time with Ken Huckabee. Huckabee does yeoman's work with the Lugnuts Bats, just like he did last year with Bluefield. And now he's out of the slump. So once we get Mitch back and healthy again, you can chalk him down for one or two hits nearly every single game. One thing I want to ask you about those guys is, you know, and and this might we might be able to talk about the Midwest League in general because I I don't know much about the league. You know, you probably see them at batting practice, both Mitch and Dawal. You know, they've got massive power, but it's obviously not translating to game power just yet. I've took a quick look through the Mid- Midwest League statistics, and I think Matt Dean is the is the top lug nut at nineteenth in slugging percentage. So. The team itself isn't really putting up big power numbers. And, um, Lugo has had 42 hits in his last 30 games, but only five have been extra base hits. So he hasn't really been a very productive player. What what do you feel is going on? I mean, is is Cooley Lost Stadium particularly big? Is are they just not? <laughs> you know what, what what's happening? Easy, quick answer. It is enormous. It is enormous. The power alley is. It is great if you're a defensive player, particularly a defensive outfielder. It is not the best place to play if you want to hit for major power, if you'd like to be known for your home run numbers. Unless you have Kevin Patterson-level strength. And even Patterson came up short of 20 homers at Cooley Law School Stadium in the past couple of years. With any other ballpark, you would probably have 20 to 30. Okay. So, you can't judge guys' home run numbers. On the other hand, Dawa Lugo... Currently, he's grounding the ball here, grounding it there. Maybe a little line drive here or there, but he hasn't been barreling it up as much recently. He's been simply finding the holes. Mitch Nay earlier in the year was really driving. And so as he comes back, as he gets increasingly more and more healthy, we'll see him drive it more. Dicky Jothan, LB Dancer, Matt Dean has done a very good job of barreling up. So maybe as June turns into July, we'll see those home run numbers come up. We've not seen a lot of power numbers from any of the Lugnuts. Santiago Nessie either, for point of fact. Yeah, it's not so just home runs. It's a fun thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not just home runs. It's it's doubles and stuff as well. I mean, they're just not really, like you say, it doesn't seem like you just answered the question that Lugo is, is getting it on the ground quite a bit and and maybe beating out some hits or finding some holes. It's just I, I found it odd that, you know, they're not hitting a lot of doubles, you know, just extra base hits in general. <laughs> we'll see if that changes. We'll see if they start really crushing it. Um, but I've seen a lot of the deep fly balls are the ones that get caught. And meanwhile, the ground balls sneak through. Right. So it's a deceptive sort of league. What about, uh, just one last question on Lugo. It was funny, last year when he came up, I started tweeting every time he actually took a strike. And it I didn't have to tweet very often. The, the kid likes to swing. Uh, he looks like his his walk rate is still only three point eight percent this year. So seemingly he's carrying that on. Is is he starting to recognize you know that if if he swings at pitches that are more you know in his hot spot, he's probably going to get a better chance to barrel up, or is he still just sort of hacking at everything? I would say it's more closer to the latter. I would say that as the pitch comes in, he would love to take a, a swing, but. The big thing for him is he's getting to see better pitchers. And the better and better pitchers that he sees, the more they know where the pitchers are going, um, especially with the breaking stuff, especially with the off-speed. And so he continually isn't getting fooled. He's taking really good cuts, having right. really good pitches, and letting other pitches pass by. So maybe 
Any his at-bats don't go as deep as anybody else's at-bats. That's true. However, he's been very difficult to put away. He doesn't walk. He doesn't really strike out either. No, he's so got his play coverage. The next step in his development, but he's a young 19. Talk about DJ Davis being 19. Lugo is a young 19. We just out there, see the ball, hit the ball. And <laughs> so that could be something that comes around for him, but so far it's not a high priority. Okay, well, thanks very much. That's that's the hitters, I think, done. Let's uh, take a look at the pitching staff. I know C's fans, myself in particular, are quite excited about our rotation this year, fronted uh, by two ex-lugs, Alberto Torado and, and Jairo Laborte. It's a bit mixed feelings because, you know, these were two high-end prospects. Torado especially got a lot of buzz this offseason. Um uh, I'm, I'm going to be thrilled to watch him, but obviously I would have preferred that they'd done well in Lansing and would be pushing on the door to Deneen rather than coming this way. What what did you see them f- from them? Sorry, I know Laborte left probably three weeks ago to go back to extended. Um, was I mean their walk rates are, are are atrocious. Was it just a matter of they couldn't they couldn't pound the zone, couldn't get the fastball down, or or was there something else? They battled themselves. They've got great stuff and their kids. They battled themselves as they get older, as they get more and more game experience. They'll, they'll mature. They'll keep on growing up. Um, with each one of them, their frustration grew when the umpires did not get them calls. And the umpires in this league are learning. Yeah. But if things started to develop in the wrong way, you could just see it start to snowball. And that's something that simply comes over time. The more they pitch, the better they'll get. And they'll start to see it. Whatever it might be, whatever with consistency and command or mechanics, uh, the big thing is they need more innings, and they need innings to grow and to build up their confidence. With each one of them, you could see their confidence was starting to take hits, and that is a huge danger for any player at any level is you don't want to be your own worst enemy. Right. What about, um? I'm a massive Tom Robson fan. Um he obviously threw great for uh, the Seas last year, local kid. Um, I really expected him to, to go into the Midwest League and dominate. Um, you know, talking to Jim, he he'd sort of heard, you know, from the game reports and stuff that, you know, after being a really quick worker last year and getting on the mound and, and really getting into his rhythm, maybe he'd slowed things down a bit um, for Lansing. What, what did you see? Again, I mean, his walk rate of over five is is way off the charts for him. What did you see from him? And then obviously he's gone down with an injury that from rumors is, is far more serious than we, we could have ever hoped. But uh, what, what did you see from Tom? Let me group him in with Hilo and also with Alberto. Okay. And with some other guys too. We had heard that their fastball command was all off the charts. We had heard that Hilo was a command guy. We had heard that Tom Robson was a command guy and we never saw it. Right. He would not spot up his fastball in the early going. He would miss very high. He would miss all over the place. And then there would be runners on base, and then he would slow things down to try to prevent against them. But those starts where he spotted up his fastball, pitching was easy. And so it simply came down to fastball command, fastball location. I can't speak to how his health is, but I can speak to as soon as he gets that fastball right, as soon as he consistently commands it. That's something for a pitcher. If you get out there to the mound and you just don't have that command, whatever it might be bothering you that day, maybe it was his body ailing him, who knows, but he could not command the fastball, and that sabotaged him in his poorer outings. In his better outings,
Right. Every single guy here raved about him and says, uh, I heard from guy after guy after guy saying, that is a future major leaguer. With his frame, with his stuff, with his mind, if he gets right, he'll be just fine. Another, um, another XC that... I don't know if this experiment's working. I get I get a lot of tweets from people saying, "Right, let's just let's just put this Matt Dermody as a starter to bed and and get him back to where he should be as a as a specialist left-handed reliever." He's been knocked around quite a bit over his last. I guess he had one good start in there, but over his last five starts or so, I'm, we need to get him out of Fort Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that where he's really been? tough for him? You get him out of there, he, he's generally just fine. Yeah. We saw Peterson last year here with, with Everett, and the kid can hit, no doubt about it. Um, one last uh, point on the um, on the pitchers. One of my favorite XCs is going tonight for you. What have you liked about, about Shane Dawson? Because, I mean, I guess prospectors probably wouldn't put him in that prospect category, but I absolutely loved it to watch him pitch last year. He never threw a fastball the same velocity. Um, he could spot it up. His 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 motion is, is sort of deceptive, and then his breaking stuff I thought was excellent. What have you been seeing? Love him. Absolutely love him. The question is, how do you got get, get guys out? And so some players we rear back and try to throw the ball past them or throw a curveball and hope for the best. Shane Dawson is smart. Shane Dawson is really smart, and he's perpetually, as you said, messing with the batter's timing. No idea how hard it's coming in. You have no idea where it's going. He's going to maintain the pace of the at bat, not you. And so, because of that, the man is in control. It is his game. He would love to go as deep as he can, but you can chalk him in for five, six solid innings every single time. And I expect as he gets up to the upper levels, he'll continue to be just fine. The only problem comes when he falls behind 3 0, because with, with it, his pace, he falls behind 3 0 in 10 seconds. And suddenly, uh oh, there could be trouble. But yeah, his curve is fun, his change is fun, and his fastball, he told me he can change 13 miles an hour velocity on it. Nobody can do that. No. It's because of enforcement. And manager John Tamargo Jr. going, we've never seen anything like that in our life. So why not? Why can't he continue to climb the ladder if the batter can never time him up? Well, speaking of climb the ladder, let's, let's talk about that quickly. Um, Aaron Sanchez, obviously, the. Uh the consensus number one prospect in the system is up to Buffalo. I'm guessing there'll be a bit of a domino with Dunedin clinching their first half title at Daniel Norris and maybe, say, Taylor Cole or Matt Dermody head back up to New Hampshire. Who, you know, you look at who's going to fill those spots in, in Dunedin, and, and so far Lansing, nobody's really grabbed the ball and, and ran with it. Who who would you say could move up now and, and, and take those spots and, and do a decent job? I've been very pleased recently with Jeremy Gabariski. 
All he does is get out there and get grounders and, hello, strikeouts. <laughs> strikeouts were what he's been criticized for, and he's recording a strikeout in the inning, or even slightly more than that. He had nine Ks a start or two ago in six innings, I believe last outing, six innings, six Ks. He doesn't walk anybody. He's been just fine. The trouble is, when you push a guy a little bit too soon after he's had a small modicum of success, but is he ready for it? It's okay, for example, to let a guy struggle, succeed, struggle, succeed. But he is the closest Lansing Lugnut starter to Ben Eden. And I don't see why, if he continues to pitch as he's working with that sinker, with that slider and changeup, I don't see why he wouldn't be able to succeed just as well in Ben Eden. Okay. That's an interesting name because I, I used to... Um Whenever those, um, I charted Shane and, and Tom a lot last year, and I charted Jeremy a bit, and Clayton used to always give me, have a bit of la- a laugh with me that I was only charting Shane and Tom and, and leaving everybody else. But you're right, his, Jeremy's fastball velocity just, you know, he, when he could command the zone, he was fine. But w- as soon as he sort of got out of that rhythm, guys would square him up just because his fastball doesn't offer a lot. Like like Tom's does and, and like Shane can can mix speed so effectively, um, and it seemed like one. Other pitchers in the system, we yeah. can compare them. Kendall Graveman is a sinker slider guy. Casey Lawrence is a sinker slider guy, and so is Jesse Hernandez. A Graveman can throw ninety two ninety three. That helps him out a ton. Yeah. Casey Lawrence. Can. So Casey Lawrence's command has to be much sharper than anybody else's because he knows he'll get pounded if it is, and he is a wonderful command guy. When Jesse Hernandez gets off, because he throws same, maybe a little bit into the upper 80s, we've seen him get off as well, and him start to get pounded. So the question for Jeremy Gabariski is, yes, he can continue to add some ticks of velocity onto that fastball, but how consistently every single start can he get it to go where he wants it to go? And if he can, there's no reason that he can't see the same success as those gentlemen. Okay. Now let's let's talk about you for a second. You uh you've been the broadcaster there in Lansing since '09. It's been a Jays affiliate since '05. So you've you've done nothing but Jays prospects. You're on Twitter, obviously. What what do you think about the intensity of uh, I guess we'll call it of of Jays prospecting fans and and uh, just the sheer volume of information that's out there. I think it's fun. I came uh, from independent ball, but before that, I was in the Tampa Bay Rays system. Okay. And huge difference. It was fun. It was fun being with the Tampa Bay organization, seeing guys like Evan Longoria coming up, etc. But I'm going to tell you, the Toronto Blue Jays organization has character guys. The guys who come through are people, and terrific people at that. And I don't think that that can be overstated. The quality of the character that comes right on up, up the ladder, all the way up toward the major leagues. Very important. Wherever you go, whether it's Vancouver, whether it's New Hampshire, you can find really good people on each and every team. Now, Jay's prospectors, I think, I appreciate their enthusiasm. <laughs> but they always worry me in April. April is where they worry me the most because they seem to feel that in April... That's all a player is ever going to be. Or, for example, if a player is doing great at Lansing, clearly he's ready for the major leagues, or the opposite. If a player is struggling in, then even 
Yeah, funny you should mention, Norris, you, you were obviously there for, we'll call it the transformation, where he, he it sounds like he also figured out how to repeat his mechanics. He must be one of the best prospects you've seen come through in your time there. Who who would you say is the best the best player you've seen? Should I name only Toronto Blue Jays fans, or nah, name like a Mike Trout? Well, <laughs> let, let's leave Mike Trout out of it. Yeah, let's, let's go with a Lansing Lugnut. <laughs> he ran out there, he ran back to the dugout, and he tried to do everything as quickly as possible. He would run around in batting practice and try to take BP home runs away as well. Um, and from Henderson into 2010 and 2011, seen guys like Sean Nolan. But that group of lug nuts in 2012, starting rotation, Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Sanchez, Justin Nicolino, Anthony DiScafani, David Rollins, Marcus Walden, and you could keep on going with Carlos Perez behind the plate and Kevin Pillar and Andy Burns in the starting lineup. That was a collection of talent. John Birding, we'll see how things go for Birdie, but Birdie has never done anything not to help his team win. He contributes. Syndergaard could be an ace for the Mets. Nicolino and Scafani could very well be contributors for the Marlins. And Sanchez is special. So, I hope with Aaron that that command continues with his fastball because my gosh, does he have my gosh. <laughs> that team overwhelmed teams. The textbook game for them would be a 5-2 to win or a 4-1 to win because the starter would go up give up nothing. The bullpen would give up a run, but it didn't matter because the offense was applied early offense, and you were done in two hours, ten minutes because they had business to attend to. It was a blast. That was special. And that kind of pitching talent all collected in one place they all rubbed off on one another. Nicolino helped Sanchez out with his off-speed. Sanchez helped Nicolino out with his off-speed. Syndergaard is trying to figure things out. It was a pleasure to watch. Now, that was the um, that first half of 2012 was the last time the uh, the team itself has had any sort of success winning the first half flag. Is that correct? I suppose you could say that. 2011, they'd gone all the way to the Midwest League Championship Series, so that stands out even right. more. 2012 
regular season, the wind piled up and the truckload. And the previous year, the team had not been very good, but led by Jake Marisnik and led by a number of really other glue guy contributors and the rising Michael Krause and Marcus Connect. They shocked one of the best teams in single-A history. A Billy Hamilton-led Dayton Dragon squad shocked them in the first round of the playoffs and went all the way to the championship series before finally guys like Trevor Rosenthal and Oscar Tavares deposed them from Quad Cities. Wow. So that back-to-back collection of talent was a pleasure. Um. Now, before I let you go, I, f- I forgot I wanted to ask you one quick, quick question on the catching situation. Obviously, Santiago, Nessie, you know, we we all talk, and this is a pr- prospector's, Blue Jays prospector standing on the edge of the bridge about how poor the uh, the Blue Jays catching situation is, and Nessie's repeating Lansing, hasn't had a great season. I was looking at the at-bats, and, and Jorge Saez has is, is almost got as many ABs as, as Nessie. Is that just, he's earning his playing time? Yeah, absolutely. And year, Nessie was going to catch three members of the starting rotation, the non-piggybackers, and Saz was going to catch the piggybackers. So Nessie had Kendall Graveman and Jeremy Gabariski and Tom Robson. Oh, okay. Well, you saw how things went for Robson, and Kendall Graveman got promoted, and the piggybackers get spread out, and Donis Cardona is injured, Tyler Laborte and Alberto Toronto are back in Vancouver. So that system suddenly got mixed up. And meanwhile, Jorge's size is just dynamite. Whether it's defensive, whether it's offensive, working at that, hitting for a bit of power, getting on base. He gets on base every game. He reached base for his 20th consecutive game yesterday, and he calls the game great. So the Lugnuts lose nothing behind the plate. Nessie has a big-time arm still, and his at-bats are fun because he's learning to work the count, and you understand he's got that potential for big-time power. My gosh, is Jorge size a professional. Um. That's great. I mean, obviously, we in Vancouver are pretty sure that as soon as he signs, Max Pentecost will uh, will arrive here, which means I, I'm i thinking... <laughs> be delighted. That sounds terrific. It does Max sound terrific. Max Pentecost plus Seth Connor and maybe Daniel Klein. What a group. Well, um, um, from what I've heard, you guys will be getting Daniel Klein, but what what happens... Well, I look forward to it because he's a terrific guy. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, good, good dude. Um, right. Prince George County, is that in Virginia or Maryland? It's in Maryland. It's the same home county as Kevin Durant or a number of other top-notch sorts of folks. Um, I come from 15 minutes outside Washington, D.C., right next to where the University of Maryland is. So does that mean you're cheering for the O's this weekend? No, as a matter of fact, I grew up somehow a Detroit Tigers fan. Ah. Uh, I was a shortstop, but I grew up too close to Washington, D.C. to like the Orioles. So I chose Alan Trammell as my favorite player, and Lou Whitaker as my second favorite player. There was no team in D.C., and if I wasn't going to cheer for Ripken, who else was a good shortstop? Clearly, exactly. Alan Trammell. That's... So in the offseason, during the season, Toronto Blue Jays, and in the offseason, I go, we'll see how the Tigers improve their bullpen. That's not a bad shout. And being in Michigan, you're not too far away, are you? <laughs> Let me add in one more thing. Frank Fowler of a third is fun. It is fun to have a knuckleballer around. We have no idea how things are going to go from here, but it is a blast. Yeah, I was I was looking at the numbers from his first start. I mean, no runs, but walked as many as he struck out. So obviously he's still tinkering a bit, but yeah, it should be, should be very interesting. It's the knuckleball, and you never know where the knuckleball is going to go. He throws three different 
and medium that are fast. And poor umpires in this league. Yeah. Knuckles right into the strike zone, and the umpires never see it coming. What uh, what what was he topping out at? What does the fast knuckleball look like, uh, radar gun wise? Oh, so pretty quick. Okay. So the fastball at 87, slow knuckles at about 66 to 71. Wow. Oh, well, this should be very interesting. And, I mean, I'm not saying that those two catchers are going to be up in the majors catching R.A. Dickey anytime soon, but I'm sure it's a learning curve for them as well. Jorge Size, the second pitch of Iowa's outing, had the ball pop out of his glove. After that, nothing. He really? Dynamite. Excellent. Well... Again, Jesse, thanks very much for this. How can we get a hold of you? I think you can find me on Twitter at jgoldstrass, J-G-O-L-D-S-P-R-A-S-S. I encourage everyone, if you haven't heard of it, check out the Baseball Thesaurus, which is my book that came out not too long ago. And the Lansing Lugnuts are on lansinglugnuts.com. Excellent. Thanks again. There was Charlie Kasky speaking over the phone uh, with <laughs> Jesse. Uh, yeah, I should, have, sorry, I should have said... <laughs> You know, I, I preempted my Jeff Ware one saying I asked an idiot question. <laughs> the, the the audio with, with Jesse wasn't the best. His phone was really quiet. I guess maybe in America they have to turn down the volume on their phones because they expect <laughs> them all to be so loud. But uh, not Jesse. He's, he's an excellent interview and, and definitely he, he gave his Twitter handle. Hit him up on Twitter. Yeah, uh, He's fun to listen to and he's fun to read about. He, I think he does his own blog as well, which he'll tweet out the links uh, uh yeah. yeah, excellent follow if you're a Blue Jays fan because yeah. lots of players come through Lansing, and if there's anyone that's going to know firsthand, it's Jesse. Well, yeah, and he's and he's got a he's got a co uh, announcer in the booth this year, which he didn't last year, yeah. and it's Trey Wilson who was with the Bluefield Blue Jays last year, so he obviously had firsthand and you know mm-hmm. sort of information of all those guys that either the guys that skipped like Toronto or the guys that had a little cup of coffee in Vancouver like Mitch Day. So mm-hmm. two two great guys to follow. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, it was another pretty good show, I think, with the with the amount of content we had. It's still probably going to be a little bit longer this episode than what we normally do. It's under two hours this time, so we're <laughs> we're good that we're under two hours, not like last week. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was a pretty good show for for uh, the guests that we had. Well, I think yeah, I think media day was special, yeah. wasn't it? We're not going to get players clips every every week. Um, I'm hoping to. I want to get. I want to get a scout from the Midwest League. Um, on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that okay. for next week. That's my goal. We'll, we'll keep you posted on yeah. on Twitter. Um, you can follow Charlie at Charlie Kasky, um, Charlie and C A S K E Y on Twitter. And yourvansees.com is the site that you want to go to. Yeah, I'm on Greg Ballock S T B A L L O C H. Um, and then uh, well, we've got an email address now. We if, do. Well, we've had you've had it for a while. Well, I've had it for a while, and I've used it sort of to to mail spam companies and stuff like that, <laughs> so they don't know who I am. But we can transition it into something functional and useful. Yeah, so we're trying to get the podcast on iTunes. I'm having a little bit of issue with that, but I'm hoping to work it out in the next little while. It's not as easy as it seems to get (laughs) a a, a podcast onto iTunes, but uh, we are listed as a podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, So if you're hearing us on there, that's a good thing. Um, If you don't have Twitter, you can reach us by email, yourvancs at gmail.com. No spaces, no dashes, just yourvancs at gmail.com uh, if you have any questions or anything you maybe want us to ask somebody one of our people that we're getting on or any of the Vancouver Canadians players um, we'd love to hear from you and we could uh, even read it out on the, the next podcast if we get something 
Yeah, I look forward to it. And if anyone's got the question of why I didn't pick a better SEO title for my website, um, <laughs> I don't know. Ask someone else. You're please. an IT expert. I don't know how you. Well, let yeah, that we've one go we've by. we've found that out over the last couple of days of me trying to get you those clips. Yes, I am an IT wizard. Sarcasm. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I sometimes think that my my website title wasn't the best <laughs> search engine optimization. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Hey, Isn't it's for it? fun. It's and, and if it's just Greg right reading it and my mom, then you know at least <laughs> I'm still get to write about baseball. That's right. That's why we do it for the love of baseball. Exactly. And that's why you're listening, hopefully. Well, we can't wait. When's, when's the home opener? We got five five days to wait. So yep. Wednesday. Next Wednesday, I should be there. Cross oh, my fingers. Awesome. It is sold out, so there's no way you can get tickets for it now. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's tease a sold out game. Yeah. I can't wait to go, man. It's going to be so Unfortunately, great. Unfortunately, for people that but don't have tickets, you can't get tickets. There's going to be plenty of games throughout the year, though. It's. Let it's kind of like the Blue Jays. Let the fanfare get out of the way for the first game of the season, and then let the real fans take over for the rest of the year. So yeah. That's, and then Friday, of course, will be the first uh, nooner. So hopefully the sun comes out and uh, we get a big crowd for that one. It'll be a blast. Yep. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, we'll announce when the next podcast is. We're going to try to do it on Sundays, but every once in a while, if we can't get it to mesh up our, our schedules, then we'll do it a bit earlier like this week. So we'll got to follow us on Twitter. That's the, <laughs> that's the key to the, this sentence here, I guess I should say. Uh, but thanks for listening this week. Uh, it was fun to do it again. Uh, and we look forward to... The first week of the Vancouver Canadian season, and well, as we roll before, on, we'll give you a quick we go, update. Hang on, before we go, yeah. three two for the C's, top of the six. Franklin Barreto has two for two with a walk. There this you go. kid is going to be a star. You heard it here first. Your <laughs> Van C's weekly. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.